You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Austin Thomas. Austin, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you. It's so nice to, you know, talk on the phone with somebody, a real phone. I'm on a landline. You're on the landline. I'm on a, I'm on a cell phone, but that is very real. You don't see real phones much at all these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's really an anachronism. It's, I, I don't know if you're watching this series on Netflix called Sex Education, but it's a contemporary series, and remarkably, everybody has wired phones attached to the wall. <laughs> you know? That's cool. Um, yeah. So, so what are you working on now? You're in New York. You're at FIT. Um, yeah. What are you What are you involved in at the moment? Sure. I mean, thank you again. It's just really fun to have an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody. And um, yes, I'm at FIT. I and I'm in my office. I just thought this would be a good place for us to have the conversation. So I manage an exhibition space here and. You know, from my gallery experience, I used to run a gallery called Pocket Utopia, and from that kind of experience of running that gallery, which was like an art salon maybe, um, more than a commercial gallery, through all that experience, I landed here at FIT because they opened a new gallery about three maybe almost four years ago, of course, you know, 17 months of that was uh, during the pandemic, which we're still sort of in, but I started a exhibition program that really showcases the faculty here together with the students and alumni and invited artists, and we show all those groups of people together at the same time, so there's a conversation. So it's very similar to some of the things that I did while running Pocket Utopia in Bushwick and then the Lower East Side. And, you know, that grew out of my own art practice. And I still make art. And so to me, it's kind of like the same hand making everything, whether it's an exhibition or my own work. Um, And we're back in person at FIT, and we've been back for almost a month. Not, you know, just, yeah, I guess like almost exactly a month. So that's... An interesting and that, transition. And that, yeah. that, that gallery, is, is, is that the one you see right in the corner of, uh, what is it, 8th Avenue? That They had a big glass kind of... Yeah, uh, that's it. It's right on the corner of 7th and 27th. And, and, and previously, they, they used to have shows there, but it wasn't faculty, right? It was a different kind of program? Well, we're right across the street from the museum at FIT. So there's the fashion, which is a fashion history museum, and then we're just the art and design gallery at FIT. And, I mean, we show a variety of work. Uh, You know, it could, right now we have a show with artists from upstate, Julie Torres, who runs Lab Space, she is in the show, and um, John Cowan, who is a Boston artist, is in the show, and some faculty members who make fashion and you know, who do their own fashion lines, and um, recent grads, Tracy Johnson, who's sort of an up-and-coming emerging artist who graduated from FIT last year, who sort of turned a brushwork into soft sculpture is, you know, so it's a variety of people at different points in their career. That's kind of the point 
of the gallery, but also tons of different genres since the School of Art and Design we have 17 different departments here. So it could be packaging design with a fine art student, sculpture, photography, that, and jewelry, shoes, you know, you name it. If it. I try to look at everything as art. And, um, and, and that's interesting because, yeah, there are all these, like, divisions in the, in the art world. And, and so we could talk more about that. And what else is in your... your sphere of, of, of work. There's your own work, which, which as you're saying, as a curator is also an artistic, is part of an artistic practice. It's, um, sure. Would, which you know, it's, yeah, I don't mean to cut you off. Sorry, we just met, and here I am already interrupting you. That's fine. Um, so the I other guess, things that I you're mean, involved in, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the past few years have been interesting. I didn't leave New York. I've been, I stayed here. And um, my own art is sort of related to that coming and going, curating, reading, looking, making, uh, sort of being inspired by the people around me and the things around me. So of late, I've been making prints that are very inspired by the city around me. So they're geometric in shape and color is a way to focus, but I'm constantly sort of walking the city, particularly during the pandemic, uh, walking miles and, you know, looking at history and architecture, and that sort of makes its way into these prints that are very sort of architectural and simple and made on vintage paper. And I'm in FIT, and, you know, it's a brutalist building that's sort of an interesting architecture and there's a lot of like history of design that is studied here and that might all play into this way of thinking and walking and meditating and looking at color and sort of organizing shape and yeah I don't want to sound simplistic (laughs) I told you this would be um, you know a simple conversation about art but it is sort of a life, I have a life in art, and that life in art can play itself out in the exhibition space, in a conversation with you or students, or walking or meditating, drawing, or photographing. But usually I photograph, draw, and then sort of maybe the finale is printmaking, which I do in a community print shop, either you know, nearby at the Elizabeth Foundation, EFA, which is the Robert Blackburn printmaking workshop, or another print shop, which is called Manhattan Graphics. So what kind of prints are you making? Yeah, I, I, I love printmaking. I love that months. workshop. So what, what kind of prints are you making there? Uh, yeah, well, I just had a show in San Francisco um, called Metropolis, and um, it was shapes of, um, they were, they're monotypes. So I'm inking up a plate that might have um, a kind of architectural feel to it. I'm building the prints as they might be like maps, but they're abstract. I ink up plates and then run them through the press a couple of times. So there's a lot of ghost printing, um, it's sort of perhaps like 
orchestrating maybe painting on a piece of paper where a, one print might go through the press several times on several different um, reiterations over months, meaning like the black color has to drive it dry and then the blue and you know I'm walking the prints to EFA or Robert Blackburn from my studio in Koreatown and a lot of what I do informs that work. So let's talk about what informs the work because you said you are um and I, and I know that printmaking studio is beautiful that that that's still there, you know, the EFA Studios, because they have a lot of presses in there, and it, it, they've kind of taken over Robert Blackburn Studios. They're not two separate entities, right? He died, and they um, kind of took over his legacy of offering uh, presses to artists, I mean, obviously at, at, at which, fees, reduced yeah, fees. Yeah, which is amazing, yeah. I mean, Robert Blackburn was an amazing printmaker, community builder, activist, and he also made a lot of abstract prints, maybe more lithographs than monotypes, and I make monotypes. But our work is not dissimilar, and I look at his work a lot. That's not the reason why I print there. A community print shop is a wonderful way to make work around other people, and um, sort of even if you're concentrating on your sort of own project, there's still, you know, lots of people around. But my own prints, um, I use a lot of vintage paper, um, paper that I might find or that I scavenge. I've found some good stuff here at FIT when students throw things out or when professors clean out their offices. And they're monotypes, meaning that um, they're, own, they're one of a kind. So uh, I'm not making multiples. Uh, there's an architecture to the prints that might be inspired by the old buildings that are around, you know, Midtown or my studios right behind the Empire State Building. So I'm always photographing the Empire State Building. There's, um, you know, I'm placing sort of shapes and together that they might be. Uh, diagonal and straight-edged, and I'm kind of working through the memory of the city. I sort of see it as an organism that is constantly feeding my creativity and that I'm trying to nurture as well. And, and you talked about the pandemic and walking a lot around the city and that having an effect on your work. And you know, the city was an incredibly unusual place to walk around during the pandemic. I mean, I guess almost everywhere it was, but obviously in the country, or remote places, it, it looked more or less the same. But the city was like a completely different space. So um, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Was it, was, was, did that bring, that specifically influence the work, the kind of walks and the architecture? Was there a different vantage point because it was uh, the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I I stayed here the entire time, even though there was a time period when I wanted to leave. I was like, I got to get out of here. And I grabbed my suitcase. I was like, we got to find some place to go. I said to my husband, and my husband was like, don't you want to see what New York is like on the other side of this? And I was like, uh, no, not really. But, you know, I, he's tough, and I had to toughen up. And one thing that we did with everything closed, museums, galleries, you know, restaurants before, outdoor dining, was the city itself was still there. And 
we did this by accident. We, you know, would take evening walks. Um, I have one kid, and we picked up another kid during the pandemic. So we have two kids at home, um, and we would take walks at night. And we stumbled across a historic marker on some building, and buildings that we walked by hundreds of times. I've lived in New York City for. Um, I came here to go to graduate school in 1994 to NYU, and we saw, actually, I think it was the Edward Hopper house or his house that he lived in from like 1913, I think, to like the 60s. There was a p historic marker, and my husband and I looked at each other and said, every building that we walk by has a story. So we started, I guess I started primarily researching our walks, and I think all in all we took about 40 walks that I researched buildings from the Triangle Waste Factory, you know, where it was, to history of parks like Madison Square Park that became a park sort of in the 1850s or 1847 and how the grid was laid out in New York City in 1811 and how many artists referenced the grid. Like so many, and the grid was revolutionary in New York, the, how they laid out the streets. And so I never knew that. 1811, New York City p placed a grid on you know, the island of Manhattan that was just learning all those things about the shapes of streets and parks and how rivers ran, you know, or streams like Mineta Stream ran under, you know, up 6th Avenue, all these things. Um, weren't foreign to the work that I was making, but it made my life here even richer, even though there were moments of complete despair. Um, I so feel that art was the answer for me and that art is the answer. And you know, museums and galleries were like the first things to reopen. And so I kind of just threw in going to see shows as part of the walks. So I was lucky to, there's a great curator here at FIT. She's the head curator at the museum, Valerie Steele. And so I would go on historical walks with my husband, Mike, and go see shows with Valerie. And those two things saved and enriched me. So interesting to hear and, and, uh, and exciting. Yeah, New York is you know, a place where you can keep discovering things in the neighborhood you've walked through a hundred times. No, but, times. But, 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 but I don't know where the Edward Hopper house is. I've never heard of a lot of those things. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's on Washington Square, 3 Washington Square North. Huh. He lived and painted on the fourth floor, and it's still there. I think that NYU has sort of, like taken over a lot of those townhouses and built behind them or up, but you know there's a plaque there and he, 1913 to 1967. That's a long time. That is, and and the current work that you're doing and the show that you're doing, the model prints, um, reference the architecture and the grid to some degree, or or, or or no? I mean, I don't want to force that connection too much, but but is that is that a part of it? The kind of city. And it the is. I mean, there was the a. There was a review of my show in San Francisco in Hyperallergic, and it said a printmaker memorializes New York City's architecture. And it quotes me as saying, Manhattan is my easel. 
So you're, <laughs> you're right on the money, Brainerd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though we just met, that there's a lot of grays and blacks in my work and highlighted whites in terms of thinking about sky or clouds. And, um, of course, I'm influenced by historic, like, masonry or, you know, flourishes on buildings and cornices and, of course, the Empire State Building and the blue sky. And all these things kind of play in my mind and our reference material. And then I'm at the print shop and I'm using, I'm inking up shapes that are circles and rectangles and weird other uh, these sort of steel templates which maybe could reference like new steel architecture in, in New York City. But I did a public piece years ago and I worked with a sheet metal factory and the sheet metal company had all these templates that they used to build ducts and air conditioning systems and I fell in love with these templates and those are a lot of the templates that I ink up and use on the paper. So there is an industrial reference to, you might not see that, but the shapes are definitely circles and triangles and um, kind of hard-edged, kind of, you know, building on, they're very geometric, but um, building color and shape on paper. Many times that paper is vintage or... Yeah, that's interesting. And um, so, you yeah, you, you had a did a public sculpture um, several years ago that was in Brooklyn, right? A park in mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Yes, yes. Which I visited. You're not doing public during work the now, pandemic. No. Not so right. much. I mean, I would say that I'm interested in social space or architecture, social architecture, or, um, you know, even my job at FIT where I'm an exhibition manager, there's similarities of organizing behavior in space, something that might happen even on paper. Like I'm interested, the public piece has triangles and, you know, colors, and it's meant for people to interact with. And I feel that same way about the gallery or the galleries I've run or the work that I'm making. It sounds so simplistic, but, um, you it know, doesn't. I like No, it to... doesn't. I mean, it sounds clear. <laughs> it sounds accurate. Um... Who knows? I often think, like, if I lived somewhere else, would I make different work? Probably. Like, if I lived in the forest with trees... Sometimes I daydream about that. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I've talked to people who have, like, lived in the city for a while and then out of the city. I always think if you're living in the city, I mean, for sure you're you're likely not making gigantic canvases, right? Work is smaller, it's more compact. and But then, you know, how does really the the environment, you know, affect you, the the sounds or, or you know, just the, just the activity of New York City, the... Is, is so different than anywhere else. Um, has a certain kind of, I don't know, electricity to it, a, a constant sense of movement that is, is, is absent other places. You, you haven't worked in a studio in, in a kind of a country setting at all? Not really. And, you know, during 
the pandemic when things were really shut down and the print shops were closed uh, and there was this sort of fear, would they, I didn't know if like the community print shop where everybody is on top of each other would ever reopen. I started making very different work just on the computer, maybe what would be called NFTs. I don't know. Like I didn't know what NFTs were in, in May of 2020 or June of 2020 when I was making these, but I was just collaging digital images that I would find online or that were sent to me via email and sort of cutting and pasting and putting them together and um, making them move. Or And then when I heard about NFTs, I was sort of, I know this is like totally different from making vintage prints, but um, well, it's, an interesting it contrast. Yeah, it's an interesting contrast because it does relate to kind of yeah, being out of the studio, out of the printmaking studio physically, so there's this kind of virtual world or something. But yeah, that yeah, makes sense. So you I would, yeah, I would just delved, it, and like many of us lived this life online for a few months or several months or whatever it was, and I was making these digital they were just kind of occupying my mind. Just it's kind of like a little habit. I would get these very elaborate emails. You know, everything, our life online exploded. And with that, I, in the beginning of the pandemic, getting so many emails um, from companies or whatever, like just solicitations or things about talks or whatever it was. Like it was very sort of undefined period, but I would just throw all these emails into a file and then when I had time, I would sort of cut and paste. And now I don't know what to do with them, but when I first heard about NFTs, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. I was so sort of excited to learn this. You know, I, I was doing it to kind of as an artist sort of reinventing something or taking something and making it useful or using what was at hand, right? I was being resourceful. And then I heard about NFTs and, and how artists were making digital images, digital work, and in, you know, listening to a few podcasts of people and artists talking about them and you know, taking one image and adding to it daily. And I was like, that's what I'm doing. So I was interested in just from an artist's perspective of discovery, of that sense of discovery, which um, definitely fueled you know, the walks and the history and that sense of discovery and going to see art in New York as much as I could. And um, you know, then the print shops reopened and I sort of you know, got more excited about making tangible work as opposed to the digital work. But right, I think about yeah. those. My, it was like an affair. I had an affair with NFTs. I think about those little NFTs <laughs> in, in a file. <laughs> I've been ignoring them. Yeah. I had a life online for a while like everybody else. Yeah, I suppose we lived that's online. what happens. Yeah, if we and were well, lucky enough you know, to you know, have resources where we I feel like fortunate I made it through to the other side. Yeah, I do too. I definitely feel fortunate the same way. Um, well, I, I wish you luck with the show. That The show's up now, correct, at um, Municipal Bonds? 
Um, it just it just came down. It just came down a few weeks ago. And and so how and was so, the how did you, how did you feel about that? I know when the show's over, there's always like a variety of feelings. Did it go well? This was like your first show out of the pandemic, right? How 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 did it go? Yeah, I think I think that gallery called municipal bonds. Like that's interesting too. This idea of investing in artists or investing in a cultural. Um, place or city or um, I, I didn't go to San Francisco so I didn't experience the show firsthand but um, there was a lot of work to go into it and the gallerist Emily is wonderful it was this amazing experience beautiful um, space called Minnesota Street Projects and uh, I think it was very exciting it's, you know it's great that is great, yeah, and, and obviously it was reviewed well too, which is pretty exciting. Uh, so let me ask you one more question: What are you reading at the moment? I'm reading. It, it, this is sort of funny. We were talking about living in the woods and um, being surrounded by trees. I'm reading this book called Visualizing Nature: Essays on Truth, Spirit, and Philosophy, and it's so beautiful, so beautiful. It sounds beautiful. Who is that by? Who wrote that? It's by. Uh, it's edited by. Kes- it's a. Bun- it's several essays, and it's edited by Kestenbaum. Austin, thank you so much for talking with me today. I wish you well with your your work and the exhibitions, and thanks a lot for talking with me. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.